Auschwitz is done. It goes to 33. That's 19 seconds. Okay, this is part two of the class. We want to talk about somebody. And I just wanted to give where credit where credit is due. There's a wonderful one. We're talking about the idea of desecrating Shabbat to save somebody's life. The question, there's a beautiful safer about Kiruv, out, Jewish outreach. It's called Avutat Ha'ava Kiruv Rechokim Ba'alacha. It's read, it's uh, written by Rabbi Moshe Newman and Mordechai Becher. And they deal with this very much in depth. If somebody is going to be Meshumat, Meshumat is converted outside of Judaism. And the only authentic belief in God for a Jew to go to heaven is what? The Torah. So can we desecrate the Shabbat or not? We said the Rashba is of the opinion. They asked him like, what happened was a poor little girl, a bunch of gang coerced her to go join some other religion. Then they asked the Rashba, can we go on a donkey or horse? The father was not in town. He was on business in a... uh, a town a little bit far away. So you know, you're not allowed to go 2,000 steps out of the town, from one town to another, unless you have a roof. The Rashva said, I would hold no. Why should the father jeopardize his Shabbat? Because she decided to sin. But to go a little bit deeper, the Bet Yosef explains why we should desecrate the Shabbat. Because he, he follows the opinion of Tosafot. The Bet Yosef, go look at the Bet Yosef, it's such a beautiful Bet Yosef in Shinvav. See, the Tosvot says, Hashta Tosvot first of all argues, he says sometimes we do do a sin for somebody else to do a mitzvah. For example, what? We know if you buy a pagan slave, a non-Jewish slave, it's a mitzvah for him to always be your slave, not to free him. But let's say two partners own this slave. One partner was generous. He, he freed him. Now the other partner, so he's like a half Jew, he's a quasi Jew. So the, the, the law is we force the other Jew to free him so this guy could go be fruitful and multiply. He shouldn't be in the gray zone, right? Between Shamayim Ba'aretz. So Tosfot, which is the halacha, says, Tosfot says, and the Bet Yosef is bringing, it's a tremendous mitzvah to go desecrate the Shabbat and save this poor little girl or boy's life. Doesn't necessarily be a minor, even a teenager. You know, people can brainwash people and use, coerce them. Why? For sure in a case where the person himself was not willingly going to the cult or to the other religion or to the, you know, I just want to bring out, like even in Iran, it's not something that was necessarily unheard of. Many Iranian Jews, unfortunately, were tricked into becoming Baha'i. And, you know, there's a limitless amount of cults. And sometimes people have emotional problems for whatever reason, they could easily be tricked. Now, if somebody's there to say, hey, you know, you're, this is the biggest mistake you're going to get in life, both spiritually and physically and psychologically. So as long as the person himself 
did not willingly go or was tricked to go, you can desecrate the Shabbat. The mitzvah nam yeka. It's not only you're allowed to, it's a mitzvah too. Because the Shulchan Aruch actually says in chapter 306 that not like the Rashba, if the father says, I don't want to go save my daughter, that was forcibly took in by the Muslims or whoever to become a non-Jew. It says Betim would force him. They would put him in cherem. They would say, you are the father. You have an ethical and halachic duty to go save the life of your daughter. Now, even the Ashkenazim would agree to this. Like I told you, Rav Aaron Cutler and the altar of Slabatka were definitely not Sephardi. And the question that is asked is, why does the Ramah say, it's kind of like a contradiction in the opinion of the Ramah. And they give three answers to this. That everybody would be in, a, in agreement that we have to save the girl's life. He says that the first answer is the answer of the Taz and the Magen Avram and the Gro and the Balatanya, the Shulchan Archarav. They answer that everybody would be in agreement to save the girl's life, even though we said before that the Ashkenazim are a little bit more conservative and they say, you should ask a non-Jew to go and maybe they would hold like the Rashba that says, why should I sin for, to save anybody else's sin? He says that Oh, I'm sorry, I just forget. The second reason that we hold, that Bet Yosef holds that we should save the girl's life is the same way we, we, we allow the non, the pagan slave to be freed so he can go do the mitzvah fruitful and multiply because it's a very big mitzvah. It's a very big mitzvah to say Jewish also, to not go and become pagan, to be go, go and change your faith. So therefore, the Shulchan Aruch, like I said, says not only are you allowed to, desecrate Shabbat to save somebody from becoming pagan. But even more than that, the father has to. The Jewish court would coerce the father to go. Now, even according to the Ashkenazim, there's a big difference like Tosfat says. If somebody has already willingly converted is Jews for Jesus, who says by you going and desecrating the Shabbat, you're going to save him? That's why it says that. But in a case, or for example, it's a case we know beyond any shadow of the doubt, he's tr- he's going to try out to worship Christianity, right? Because he thinks it's a cool thing. He's going to come back home. It's not like we're not going to have access to him. If it's a one-time thing, then there are the opinions that say, well, you're not losing him forever. So don't desecrate the Shabbat. But again, if it's going to be that they want to take him to a cult and you're not going to have access to him, Quickly go. Everybody would agree. All opinions would agree that you have to save his life because the guy is not going to be Jewish altogether. There's another reason to to uh, to say that everybody would agree that we must save his life is again if the people that are stealing him are going to make him do, or the people that are tricking him, coercing him to go with them are going to cause him to do the three cardinal sins. Remember we said. The three cardinal sins you actually do need to give up your life and not do. Like homosexuality, they want to take him to home, or they, or to sleep with a married woman, or bow down to an idol, or to practice sadism and killing innocent people. So that person, if he has any brains, he knows he has to die. So again, that would convert into that there's a probability that the person's actually going to get killed. 
Why? Because he's going to tell the people, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Kill me rather, murder me rather than me committing the sin. So again, even in such a case, even his physical body is in danger. And this is what the Levush, the great commentator on the Bet Yosef and the great Posek, the Levush explains. And then there's a third answer that the Bach says, that says, he says, and mechalalina teshabat kedil latzil ma'avira me'ones she mishum ones rachmona patra aval latzil ma'avira chamura kemo avodazara haveke mitzvah rabba v'mutar b'tenai shelo abba ha'avira yedeh pesha kikon shenitzas adigoyim v'fchidu oto ad she'avor b'ratzon So again, the Bach would agree that he says, first of all, for a minute sin, let's say that this guy was his friends on Shabbat said, let's go to Burger King. They drove him there. The Bach would say, first of all, he's not converting to Adam's. He would say, you, you can't desecrate Shabbat. You cannot desecrate Shabbat. Because first of all, they said, we're going to beat you up if you don't eat the non-kosher, if you don't eat the cheeseburger. So fine, there's a concept that says, Anus Rachmanipatre. When you're coerced, right? Let's say somebody gets the flu and he can't go to shul or he can't fast on Yom Kippur or he can't do any mitzvah. That the God doesn't have any demand of you. Similar here. They were, he was gonna, he was bullied and he was worried that he would be beat up. So there's no reason for us either to desecrate the Shabbat because this guy's not sinning at all. But a sin that is a major, major antithesis of the Torah, like idol worship, this guy we should desecrate the Shabbat because that's just not having a cheeseburger. This is, again, it's like the similar answers that this may lead him, he's rejecting the whole enchilada. He's rejecting the whole belief in the God of Israel and as long as he himself did not go willingly, it would be permitted, according to all opinions, the, the Bach, it would be permitted for him to, uh, for them to go save his life. And I forgot to mention one very, very important idea that the Yerushalmi and they say in Alacha is, another reason why we desecrate the Shabbat for a sick person is, it's a rationale like this. Desecrate one Shabbat, so the guy's going to be alive, he's going to keep in the long term many other, hopefully hundreds and thousands of other Shabbats. So in it's kind of like a deeper understanding that you're not really desecrating the Shabbat. By saving him, you're causing a human to be alive. And by him being alive, he's actually going to keep the Shabbat. He's going to be a standing and upright citizen that would help him very much. And uh, therefore, I just want to say that according to the Bach, it could be that let's say somebody... We're afraid he's going to join a... Let's say he likes motorcycles. And he has a bunch of people that want him to join their motorcycle gang, which probably is a problem of cult also, because it's a, it's a, it's a crime. But even if it isn't a, a non-kosher or, you know, criminal bike gang, but if he joins them, he's always going to what? Desecrate Shabbat. And what do we say? Desecrating Shabbat is like idol worship. I, my personal belief, I, we could 
go ask your local Orthodox Posik and Rabbi, but this just came to my mind that it may be definitely according to the Taz and the Magan Avram that if he's in danger of actually, they want to make him and force him to join this gang forever, this club even, then by not keeping Shabbat, he would essentially be doing what's equivalent to idol worship. So you could desecrate Shabbat to save him from desecrating Shabbat. And uh, according to the second opinion that we mentioned, the Lavush, it could be, doesn't apply. But I think the Bach would also concur that this is a major sin to desecrate Shabbat. So if this person may be brainwashed to join a, a club that always is going to travel on Shabbat, then... Um, we should definitely, I think, my humble opinion, I may be wrong, is we should uh, desecrate Shabbat. I just forgot to say one thing, and that is, uh, this is very important. I will put a note, I will try to combine the classes actually in this specific case. We said that Ravavadya holds in a case where you just want to make the sick person less painful or provide care that's not going to save his life more, just going to make it more comfortable and less painful. Ravavadya does actually, towards the end of his life, he wrote the Chazan Avadya, and in Halacha 21, he actually does say that if possible, when you want to provide care for somebody that is, life is in danger, but what the care that you're providing is just making his pain less or more comfortable, if there are two people have two people turn on the heater of the car. Like, have your wife also hold the hand and turn it because there's a law, again, turning on whenever two people, that's the beginning of the tractate of Talmud on Shabbat, then when two people do a action, a desecration of Shabbat, it's not forbidden by Torah law. It's forbidden by Vink. May Hashem help us that everybody should be healthy. And... Um, you should know that there are commentaries that say one should pray in the ninth month that his wife shouldn't give birth on Shabbat. So he shouldn't even have to come on to that. But be that as it may, I think the ethical, looking at this class from a, not halachic perspective, but what's the value that this whole class teaches us on a day-to-day basis? It shows us that how important human Life is, in, according to the Torah law, that we're we're willing to sacrifice anything and everything, Yom Kippur. And I just want to say that Rav Avadya brings such a beautiful idea for the the most genius yeshiva in the world right now, especially for the American boys, is the Brisky yeshiva. So I I, I was um, now that we have more time, Rav Avadya brings on page one thirty four in Laviat Chen. That you know, Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, he was one of the great rabbis of the last generation before the Holocaust. And he has a whole dynasty of great, his child, his son was the Briskarov, and they created a tremendous dynasty of great, great Torah scholars, and they have one of the greatest yeshivas in the world, the greatest, sharpest minds are in the Brisk yeshiva. He says that on Yom Kippur, you know, there's a law that if you can't fast, the doctor said to fat, not to fast. The Shulchan Aruch says it's better to eat like less than three ounces of water at a time and wait like five minutes. Or have like small crackers that are less than, I forgot 
don't quote me on it, less than a uh, the volume of a date, which is maybe like 50 grams. So, and then wait 10 minutes. Since you're eating an abnormal eating, you understand? But it's actually, it's brought down in the Sefer Mo'adim Bahalacha, that Rav Chaim Brisk, when everybody would, he would decipher, he would decide that somebody's too sick to keep Yom Kippur, he wouldn't say, you don't, you don't need to do any of that stuff. Just eat like a normal day. And his son, the Briskarov, explained that Rav Chaim also held like the, the opinion of the Rambam, which Rav Chaim was definitely, um, fascinated with the Rambam that says that Yom Kippur also, same thing. In a place where somebody's sick, God didn't give the mitzvah of fasting. So therefore, those opinions that hold that you should eat it in an abnormal way and eat small bites and wait five, ten minutes, and drink small things. Rav Chaim didn't know that way. And um, may Hashem truly help that everybody be healthy, wealthy and wise. Have a wonderful day. And don't forget to subscribe.